If you would, join me in prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I pray that as we explore your word today that your spirit would speak. I pray, Lord, for clarity. I pray, Lord, for conviction. I pray, Lord, that we would honor your name. In your name and for your glory alone, may the meditations of our hearts and the thoughts of all assembled here be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Amen. Well, it is my privilege today to talk to you briefly about Luke chapter 4. And I'm going to spend some time kind of doing an overview, walking through that chapter a little bit. Uh, and, and to do that, as we enter Luke chapter 4, as I'm sure many of you are familiar, it, it's the first steps that Jesus took in ministry. And his first steps led by the Holy Spirit were into the wilderness, uh, fasting for 40 years, uh, 40 years, 40 days, and being tempted by Satan. And if you think about that tempting, I mean, I've never gone 40 days without eating. That is a very extreme fast. But think about the tempting of Jesus. It is amazing to me right off the bat, it is amazing to me right off the bat, how Jesus is so solidly rooted in his purpose and what God the Father has sent him to do that in the midst of that temptation, he does not waver. And I'd like to frame, as we walk through the rest of this chapter, with a question about purpose. Um, I've heard this saying before, maybe you have too, that we lose our way when we lose our why. And I love how Jesus, he, he does not lose his why. That glorious purpose is there. And, and I want to just take a few seconds here and, and personally uh, encourage you to explore that why yourselves. And I'm going to ask it in two questions. The first is this. What is the best part of being a pastor, for those of you who are? And for uh, the rest of us, uh, why do you want to be a pastor? Speaking specifically to that piece. What's the best part and why do you want to? I mean, think about that. What's your answer to that question? Uh, as a pastor who's been in it for a few years, I can tell you a whole lot of reasons why not to be a pastor. Right? We got a weekend away. Uh, somebody gave us a hotel room, our whole family, off, on our own, 4 a.m., the phone rings, right? We're local enough that we're close, we're reachable. 4 a.m., the phone rings. The girl on the other end says, my roommate is possessed by a demon and is claiming that he wants to murder us. Um, would, would you like to call the police? Nope, nope, pastor, we really want you here. Okay, how about I call the police on the way, see you soon, right? That is, that is not a great part of being a pastor, right? Um, the guy that I was a part of his life for years, I, was, I married him. I, I mean, did his wedding. Let's be clear on the language here. <laughs> I did his wedding. I, uh, I walked with him. I literally ran with him. Uh, where we spent time uh, talking about life, uh, talking about uh, the deep spiritual things. Uh, I, I could go on on that relationship, but he sits down with me one morning and he says, you're a really bad shepherd, and I am going to go to the megachurch across town. See ya. And by the way, I've invited all of my close friends in the church to come with me. Like, that's, a not, that's not a great day to be a pastor. It's not, it's not, you, it, let me put it this way. We don't pastor and we don't preach for the applause of men. We can't. We shouldn't. 
But man, deep down, it's really tempting too. And, and let's move on here in the, in the word because our, our call is to fix our eyes on Jesus. So how did Jesus hold to that purpose? And what was his why? So he didn't lose his way. In chapter 4 of Luke, verse 14, it says, Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Second time we see that in Luke, chapter 4. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. I mean, that is every first-year pastor's dream call. I, I'm an itinerant preacher. Everywhere I go, people praise me. Right? The applause of men on display. And as much as we'd like to say, we don't do it for the applause of men. Uh, can we just be honest? We really like the applause of men. We do. And I hear it in all sorts of ways. Uh, when when uh, we church leaders get together, we like to talk about how many people attend our things. Right? We like to talk about how big our budgets were, what the impact was, where we got to invite to speak, or what we got, to, what, what we got our name attached to. Like, we love to do that. I even had one guy ask me once how many acres our church had. Wow. Oh. That's a new measurement. I hadn't thought about that. Like, did you want cubic acres or terrestrial? I mean, I'm sure there's a difference, isn't there? How many acres? Man, we love the applause of men. And Jesus, man, he, he preached in the synagogues and he was praised by men. But I have a, a pretty strong feeling that he didn't preach for the praise of men. I mean, let's keep reading here. Uh, if we go on, Jesus goes next to his hometown. Like, if you think he was received well elsewhere, we'd expect he'd be really received well at home, except that's not what happens, right? Isaiah, it, he reads Isaiah, he stops in the center of the passage, and he says, this has been fulfilled in front of you here. And then they demand miracles from him. And what, what does Jesus do? No, because your lack of faith. He doesn't perform miracles. And in his hometown, a mob forms to throw him off a cliff. Think about that. Jesus' third grade teacher looking to throw him off a cliff. Like, hey Johnny, we used to hang out. He's going to throw him off a cliff. Like, this is his hometown. He did not go there for the praise of men. And then what we see next in the passage is some pretty incredible stuff. And I sometimes wonder if we're not wowed enough by Jesus, what we read of him and what we see of him and what, who he is and his authority. We read as we continue in Luke that he preached with authority, that he spoke with authority, that, when, that demons were cast out and, and he silenced the demons even as they were hailing him as son, the son of God. That sicknesses were healed. That he had amazing authority in word and in deed. Yet he did not do any of those for the applause of men. In fact, at the end of chapter 4, we get to read and see in the historical account here what Jesus' why is. And here's how it's said. 42 and following of Luke 4. Early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place the crowd searched everywhere for him, and when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave. But he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. So he continued to travel around, preaching in synagogues throughout Judea. Here's his why. 
I must continue to preach the good news. The gospel is his why. I mean, he was, literally is the gospel sent. Good news lived out. In, in Matthew, it says a, a similar piece talking about the heart of the ministry of Jesus. It says that his, his call, that his message was boiled down to this one thing. Oh, oh, that our messages could be boiled down to one sentence. His message was that, that he would preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Man, the gospel is an awesome and beautiful thing. The gospel is the reason Jesus is. It is his why, and I think it should be ours too. And I wonder sometimes if we get so familiar with it that we don't recognize the scandalous, glorious, powerful nature of the gospel. Think about this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. We, we have this juxtaposition laid out in Matthew, the, the repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. And, and I think oftentimes we get that repentance is turning away from something. We get that. It's turning away from sin. Uh, in Greek, I mean, it's the changing of mind. In Hebrew, it's teshuva. It's literally to turn away. But I don't think we think often enough about what it's turning towards. Because it's good news. It's great news. It's the best news. Um, and I'm going to ask you to do a little mental exercise with me again here. Uh, picture, if you would, your, uh, a food item that is really, really bad for you, but you love to eat it. You got one in mind? I mean, I, experience has told me most of you are thinking about bacon. So I'll just go there. All right, so you have a plate of bacon over here. And let's say bacon is sin. And this is how we typically treat sin. Like it is a plate of bacon. It smells so good. It looks so good. It tastes, it's crunchy. It's, man, it, I love it. But it is really bad for you, so stay away. I mean, oftentimes that is how we treat sin. It's bad. I know it's bad, but I really, really like it. And we just, and, and that's, that is sin. Turn away from it. But we neglect what we turn towards. Teshuva, what we turn towards. And, and now think, if you would, mental exercise, a plate, about a plate of something that's really good for you and also tastes amazingly good. And experience has told me that you're not thinking about butternut squash. But it's really good for you. It's awesome. It tastes, in fact, I would highly recommend it. Recommended by dietitians all over the world. But if you have a plate of bacon, and you've got a plate of butternut squash, and you're being called to turn away, like repentance, I turn away from that bacon, man, I'm turning towards something good, filling, tasty, better. It's the good news. It's the better news. It's the best news. And I think our greatest honor as pastors, as preachers, as church leaders, our greatest honor is not finding the applause of men or finding any worth in the applause of men. It's seeing the great and beautiful gospel of Jesus at work, the turning from, from and the turning towards. There was a, a woman I met early on in ministry and you know how you have these conversations like, well, how, how did you meet your husband? And I just wasn't prepared for this. Like, how, how, did, how did you meet your husband? Well, he came to the club that I was stripping at and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. But you know, uh, a few months later, uh, when we baptized her and she confessed Jesus as Lord, 
And she wasn't working at the strip club anymore, but she was feasting and living in the good news of Jesus. And that, that is a great and beautiful honor. That is, that is a gift. Is a gift. There's a guy named Doug who, uh, I, uh, one of my first meetings with him was I was called because a mutual friend of ours, uh, he was in, Doug was in his house. He was bawling his eyes out. His wife was about to leave him. He was an active alcoholic. He had tried on his own strength so many times to break it. And his wife said, I'm done. I'm leaving. I'm out of here. And we just, we cried. We, we, we tried, got directed him in, a, in where to go. We told and talked about Jesus and the, we, we shared the gospel. And now, today, that Doug is an elder in our church, redeemed marriage, redeemed heart, redeemed from alcoholism, all because of the authority and the power and the gospel of Jesus. And that, that is a great and awesome honor. And then, uh, then there's one other guy. And I, I promise I won't tell stories all day, but honestly, I would love to. There's one other guy who invited me at his wedding uh, by the river, Mississippi River in Minnesota, and it was summer, so it was, you, you couldn't walk on it. You could actually swim in it. And he, um, he, he wanted to be baptized on the morning of his wedding. I mean, what a beautiful thing. Like, before he enters into marriage, he wanted to be baptized in the river right there, and then, they were, then he was going to have his wedding. So I'm like, That's, that is fantastic. So I showed up to the wedding. I was wearing my suit and my tie and my swimming trunks. I mean, that, that was a really fun day to get dressed. Except when I got there, um, he kind of forgot to tell anybody else about this baptism. And, uh, and he came up and whispered to me, you know, I don't think today's really the best day. Okay. Wardrobe change. Hi, Mom of the bride. And not, not one of those great days in ministry. Then a couple weeks later, he's sitting in my office, and he's bawling his eyes out because his brand-new wife, two weeks into their marriage, had an affair. Two weeks. Two weeks into their marriage. Okay. Also, not a great day. But fast forward some time, and I got to be the sole witness to these two reconciled together, standing literally in the waters of baptism, confessing their sin to each other, bawling their eyes out, she, she confessing her sin of unfaithfulness, recommitting their vows, and then together going under the waters of baptism and rising anew. That, that was a beautiful day to be a pastor. And I don't know where the heart of your why was or where you came at it, but I see Jesus' why is rooted in that good and eternal news. And I believe our calling and our greatest honor is to see Jesus, the, the good news. And, and one last thing. Have you ever thought about heaven and how the good news of Jesus is the one thing that continues to echo for all of eternity. All of eternity. Like, there's a lot of awesome things that we read about in Scripture about heaven. Like, streets of gold, that's pretty cool. No more sickness, that's pretty cool. 
right? No more crying, no more death. Like, all those are great. Jesus preparing, heavenly home, all that, amazing. No one do we read about in Scripture singing about streets of gold or no more sickness, right? I don't see a single song about that in heaven. Every single heavenly song is worthy is the Lamb. Alleluia, great is your name. We will forever and again, eternity, be singing about the beautiful gospel good news of Jesus. And I think just maybe that song should start echoing out in our lives and ministries today because it is the greatest honor, the greatest honor to see Jesus at work doing what only he can do, saving and redeeming and calling us to himself. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, for we need you. Come, Lord Jesus, and lead us. Come, Lord Jesus, and open our hearts and our minds to the great, beautiful gospel that is you. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.